This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The federal government wants to increase the number of employees with disabilities who work for them. Megan Gilmore is here to talk about the experiences that some employees with disabilities have had in the public service. Hey, good morning, Megan. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Megan. Let's start with the raw data. How many people with disabilities currently work for the federal government? Sure. So I'm going to give that to you in terms of a percentage of employees in the federal government. That's fair. Okay, so I spoke to Valentina Famagalli, who is a director with the Public Service Commission of Canada, and she's really in charge of making sure that uh, the public service is um, inclusive, so of all equity-seeking groups, including people with disabilities. And she said that right now there are approximately 5.6% of federal government employees who have a disability, uh, but their goal is to get up to 9%. The methodology could get a little bit complicated here, but how do yes. they calculate the number? Okay, so for this purpose of this conversation, um, we're focusing on the self-declaration process, as they like to call it. So there are four main equity groups that the federal government um, needs to see represented in their workforce, and that would be women, um, Indigenous Canadians, uh, racialized individuals, and people with disabilities. When somebody applies to a position uh, within the public service, uh, there is a form and the individual is asked to self-declare against one of the four employment equity groups, as I was mentioning earlier. So it's a simple question, but it's a simple question, but that provides us important information because throughout the the hiring process, we can know uh, who have uh, self-declared persons with disability, who haven't. In some cases, there are positions that are specifically open to persons with disability. So from a recruitment perspective, is important. And in other cases, we monitor that information because we want to see if there are any barriers throughout the, the staffing process. And when, at a certain point, maybe candidates have dropped out. Is it during the interview phase? Is it during the written exam? So those are all important pieces of information to us. Sorry, Megan, we had twitchy fingers there. There was more you wanted to add before we played the clip. That's okay. So that was Valentina, who um, is the director I spoke of. And as she mentioned in that clip, there's a self-declaration process, which is essentially a question, do you fit into one of these equity-seeking groups? So you check off all that apply. What's What's important to note is that at that time in the interview process or the hiring process, you don't need to describe what your disability is. So, for example, I wouldn't need to say, hi, I'm legally blind. I would just say I need a disability accommodation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Megan, you spoke to some federal employees who have disabilities about their own experience. Who is Linda Muckleson? Sure. So, Linda is an admin assistant right now with the federal government, and she was hired through an internship program specifically designed for people with disabilities. Uh, That program, unfortunately, is ending. She was in the last cohort of it, but she's now on the admin team that that 
does that program and she was hired literally just before the pandemic started oh great timing great timing i know know something about that yeah a little bit just a little bit yeah so she has an acquired brain injury and um she talks about how like hard she has had to work just to get her brain and her body to work together again so it's something that she'll bring up in the in an interview it's a part of her identity but she'll talk about how like she may need an extra monitor or it's easier for her to work from home uh and she was hesitant at first to work for the federal government and she explained why you always think of the federal government as this big faceless organization and truthfully i I applied to the program, went in, told my, had told my employment specialist, don't want to work for the government. Mm-hmm. Had the opportunity for an interview. Um, she encouraged me to go, saying that it would be good practice. I went, and partway through the interview, I was so, so impressed with the people interviewing me. It was a fully accessible interview. Um, the people were... You know, they just really want the government to hu- to promote uh, the hiring of, of more people with disabilities because they understand it's a pretty untapped, pretty untapped um, talent pool. Megan, there's certainly a positive vibe there that comes from Linda. How has working for the federal government benefited her? Sure. So before she started working for the federal government, she had had part-time positions, mainly in uh, working in in the disability sectors, um, helping support different individuals with different types of disabilities. Um, But here's how she explained why what she's learned at this job can help her elsewhere. Before I I worked for the government, I had worked for... uh part-time, I had part-time positions, and they were mostly within the community for people with disabilities. I did a lot of, you know, support. I developed programs, supported programs, etc. But what I really needed to know was um, if I wanted to advocate for better for people with disabilities, I needed to know how to write better. I needed Mm. to have more... um, administrative skills to administrate the processes, to understand the processes, um, to track what I was doing. So I, I learned how to do all those. I learned to work in an environment that's across Canada. So we're talking different time zones. Mm-hmm. We're talking, um, I've, I've learned to use all kinds of different um, software. I, I knew how to use it, but not as thoroughly as I do now. And I think that makes me a huge, a huge, um, gives me a huge, huge potential for, for being a better support. Megan, beyond programs for professionals, there's also programs specifically for students with disabilities. What does it have on offer? Sure. So every year, the government advertises a job specifically for students with disabilities. Uh, the Positions are open year-round, but the next big recruitment push is in January. So uh, starting in a few weeks, actually, uh, you can watch for that push for that. Um, and the length of time varies depending on the students and you know where they are in school, how long they have left to go. I think that I bring a very unique perspective 
to my team and I'm able to notice accessibility barriers and understand accessibility barriers that they wouldn't otherwise be able to know are there or be able to see them for what they are because I've been dealing with this since I was 10 years old. So I'm very well aware of how things work in the accessibility world and how things don't work and needs that need to be met. And people on my team that don't have a disability otherwise would not be aware that these are issues and that they require a bit more attention. Megan, we've got very twitchy fingers today. That was Peyton Ruth, who's someone that you spoke to. Give us a little background on Peyton uh, before we talk about why Peyton may encourage other students to work for the federal government. Sure. So Peyton is a communication student at Carleton University, also the university I'm currently enrolled in. So go, go Ravens. Ravens. I know. Go. Yes. Yes. Anyways, not sure if there are time. Uh, so Peyton works with the Canada Revenue Agency as a communications officer. Uh, this is her second job with the government. She previously worked with Fisheries and Oceans Canada as a communication officer. But uh, the project that she's working on specifically is about making sure that forms from the CRA are accessible for individuals with disabilities that they that you can use your adaptive and assistive software, you know, when you're opening these forms, all these types of things. And as you heard in that clip, it's something that she has a fair amount of personal experience with. She's deaf in one ear, hard of hearing in the other. And she's also the only person with a disability on her team. So when she talked about that unique perspective that she brings to the project, uh, that's where a lot of it comes from. Um, but in terms of why she'd encourage other students or recent grads to consider working for the federal government, she's from Ottawa, so she was familiar with the idea of working for the federal government. It wasn't really anything that she was hesitating uh, to do. But this is how she described the advantages of working for the feds. I think that people should really consider working for the public service and applying and not be fearful of disclosing their disability because your disability is something that actually makes you stand out from the crowd and is something that you should feel empowered by because it's like your, your super tool that only you have. And it allows you to bring a unique perspective to the workforce, especially within the public service. And there's so many different jobs that you're able to do and you will have all of the accommodation that you need. And that accommodation is something that perhaps not every other workplace can provide, but it's something that the public service really can. So Megan, when it comes to accommodation, we know that there can be different experiences for different people. Generally speaking, mm -hmm. what is the experience when it comes to accommodation for people working in the federal government? Right. So both Linda and Peyton um, have had very positive experiences. Let's say they, they, if they needed, they, let's say, a specific type of headphone or uh, the, the headset, that type of thing, they've been able to get that pretty easily um, now that they're employees. But the, that's not true for everybody. So the government recently released the results of a survey that was done last year, so in 2021, about the experiences of workers with disabilities in the public sector. And they asked some questions about specifically what it was like to receive accommodations for disabilities during the interview process 
um, either to get a job or perhaps in the promote, like you're interviewing for a promotion or you're doing a second language evaluation and assessment. And employees with disabilities were less likely to say uh, that virtual interviews allowed them to adequately demonstrate their skills. Um, and the survey also said that about 3.1% of employees um, asked for an accommodation during the staffing process or a second language evaluation. And of that number who asked for those accommodations, 81% of those who received accommodations said they were satisfied with them, but 66.8% of employees, so almost 67% of employees who asked for an accommodation said that they received it properly, which means that about like 43% didn't. So one third of individuals who requested an accommodation for a disability purpose during a, a hiring process said that it, it was not what they needed. And actually it's individuals with visual disabilities um, who were most likely to say that the accommodation did not suit their needs. Megan, so oftentimes in this segment, we're always looking at things from a policy perspective when it comes mm -hmm. to disability. And typically federal policy is one of the areas where we'll focus. Yes. And I, I, I think I kind of asked you this before, but I know you have more perspective on this. Given that, that lens that we usually use, why should people with disabilities consider working for the federal government? Right. So as you alluded here, like, um, to be frank, there are some disability policies um, at the federal government that are troublesome and many people with disabilities are critical of them. Uh, so I asked uh, Valentina from Agali, the, the director from the Public Service Commission of Canada that mentioned earlier uh, that question about why should people with disabilities consider working for the federal government when there's so many policies that are actually, uh, you could argue, harmful for people with disabilities. And this was her response. There are for sure areas for improvements. There is definitely more to be done. So what I would say to people who are listening to us is apply. Apply to job opportunities and be part of the change. Be part of the public service that serve the, the Canadian population and help us improve those policies, those directives, uh, ensuring that our workplaces are truly uh, accessible. There is definitely more work uh, positive work that is being done in terms of uh, awareness, in terms of better understanding the needs of the uh, population that we serve. But is there more to be done? For sure. But without knowing uh, necessarily all the needs and all the nuances, we don't know what we don't know. So that's why I say it's certainly a work in progress. Megan, you live in Ottawa. I live in Ottawa. I knew a lot mm -hmm. of people over the years who worked in the civil service and had yeah. a really positive experience while there, including the fact that it's a good employer with good benefits. So <laughs> if somebody is listening, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, if, it if, if, if somebody is interested after this conversation today and knowing that the federal government has a commitment to this, where should they go to learn about opportunities with the feds? So it's canada.ca slash jobs. That'll be the main site. And there'll be different links uh, there to take you to specific programs. But it's canada.ca slash jobs. Megan, I've been doing this all week. It's our last on-air conversation with folks before yes. we take a one-month hiatus, before a soft relaunch in January. Megan, I wanted to wish you and yours a happy holidays. And we'll talk to you off the air again in 2022. But we'll talk to you on the air again in 2023. 
Well, thank you, and how goes to everybody. It's been great uh, being with you this year. Thank you very much. That's Megan Gilmore, accessibility reporter and the host of Connecting Disability. You can find that podcast on the AMI Podcast Network. I saw one of our AMI audio producers, uh, Jacob Schmansky, kicking it around here earlier in the day. Is he still in the room with you, Grace? Yeah, I see Jacob. Jacob's right behind Grace. Jacob, hello. Thank you. You're doing excellent work over there on your end. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.